guys, my name's Brianna and I'm here with Pastor Nicole and we're gonna talk to you about Operation Christmas Child this year. So Brianna, tell the people why Operation Christmas Child is so important to you. So this to me is just a tangible way that we can like reach kids around the world with the gospel. Everybody can. Mm -hmm. But we're gonna do a little different this year. You've had this amazing idea and we found out that there's packing parties going on all around us. And we've been doing this individual and that's amazing, but we think we can make a bigger impact and buy supplies at a cheaper cost by going through Amazon. If you see a QR code laying around, that's gonna be just for Operation Christmas Child. And Brianne has made this list so that we'll know what pencils, balls, stuffed animals, whatever needs to go in this box, we can order it and get it at a cheaper price and it directly ships to the church so that we'll be ready for our packing party. And we have a really big goal this year. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do 500 this year. 500 boxes, that's amazing. And we can all be a part of it. So what we're asking you to do is be sure and purchase something from Amazon, go on the wish list. And number two, show up on the date. So it's gonna be October 29th after church in the lobby. Show up on that date and immediately when we leave and dismiss church, we're gonna have all of the packing stuff out so that everyone can participate. We want you and your children, go ahead, prepare a note that you wanna put in a box, take a picture, share it with your family, whatever you wanna do, we want you to be a vital part of this day for us. So bring your families out, buy something and show up on the packing party. Help make Operation Christmas Child a success this year. Well, good evening, church. So glad to have you here. Along with that video, I just want to be clear. If you visit the table right out there with the Christmas trees, I know, Christmas trees in August. I mean, if anyone knows me, I'm already itching to get my Christmas stuff up. My kids are like, do it, Mom, do it. Anyway, sidetrack. But if you visit that table right out there in the lobby with the Christmas trees, there is a listing of things that we are going to purchase. And why are we doing it this way? We can purchase them at bulk and easier. And Alexis has a graph out there to show everyone, here's what we got so far and here's what we need. So if you just visit that table out there, it would be a great help. Also, too, small group signups are open. They are open. We already have a group that's almost full. Someone will be honest with you. If you have a group that you're like, yeah, I think that's the one, you better sign up soon. Because once they're full, they're closed. There is no more adding to them. So sign up for a small group. Invite someone to a small group. This is a great way you can invite someone to church without being pressureful of come sit in an hour and a half long service with me. We get to sit in small groups and share our stories. So invite someone out to a small group as well. And also one last thing, uh, we have a movie night coming up. Labor Day weekend on that Sunday, we are gonna have a movie night right here at the church. Family fun. Pastor Randy says he's blowing up inflatable pools for the kids to lay in. No water, but you know, put their blankets in and pillows in. We're gonna have free hot dogs and popcorn and bring your s'more stuff because the, all the fire pits will be open as well. So we invite you to come on out to that. If you would stand up tonight, I know it's ice cream social tonight. 
which is one of my kids' favorite things because they eat so much sugar. By the time we get in the car, they feel sick. It's fine. It's one night a year. And Ice Cream Social is a little different this year. It's not out here where we normally do it, under the car park. We are going under the big tent, and we're going to have some fun stuff, some games out there too. And that's tonight. But, you know, when I think about the goodness of God, and when I think about how much I don't deserve all he does for me, and how much I don't deserve everything that he has given to me because you see Jesus is the one who deserves every ounce of praise and Jesus is the one whose name needs to be lifted on high and every person that you see on this platform our goal is for you to not look at us our goal is for your direction and your attention to be focused on Jesus because he's the one who deserves our praise we don't do anything we do up on this platform for any acclimates, for people to say, oh, that was a good worship service, or that was not a good worship service. We do it for an audience of one, and his name is Jesus. So tonight, I encourage you, church. I encourage you. Be passionate about your worship. Be passionate because there is one person we are worshiping. There is one true king that we are lifting his name on high tonight. So I encourage you, be full of praise, be full of hope, be full of faith tonight because you've walked in a house that is full of faith and Jesus has never lost a battle and I'm telling you, he never will. It's not possible. It is not who he is. So Father, tonight we devote ourselves to you. We give you our praise. We give you our honor, Lord. Everything that we do tonight, Lord, let it be pleasing unto you. Let our praise be pleasing unto you. We worship you tonight, our King, our Defender, the one true and only God. We worship you tonight, and we praise you with everything inside of us. In Jesus' name, everyone said.
out in this place tonight. You are waymaker, miracle worker. Come on, he's the promise keeper. Darkness, yes, come on, that's my God. Oh, that is who you are. He's the waymaker, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Psalm 46 1 said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Amen. He is our way maker. No matter what you need, He is ready to help, to guide, to leave, and to give you your miracle. So I'm not sure who I'm preaching to, but I hope that encourages you tonight. We're glad we're here in the house, of the Lord, tonight, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to give a time to be able to tithe and give offerings to the house of the Lord. So if you do need a tithe in your offering envelope, we will go through the process of just Raise your hand at one of these ushers. We'll make sure you get one. I'm sure many of you, like myself, uh, find it very easy to give electronically. Those watching online right now through live stream or social media, uh, you can give electronically as well. Um, the information is on the screen. I always like just point your phone to that QR code. It'll take you right to the landing page itself. So thank you for your time and thank you for your giving tonight. I always like to encourage you with a little uh, scripture. So if you got your Bibles or you got your tablets or your phones, which most of us have nowadays. Uh, turn, with me, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading verse 26 through 29. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. And as you get there, if you got your Bibles, put your finger in that, or if you got your tablet, just kind of hold that spot. I want to share a brief story. Um, I remember a friend of mine or a person that shared with me about a friend uh, who was uh, working a, a, a great job in New York City, and he was a very successful uh, business person, and this person was making lots of money, and by his late 40s, was getting tired of kind of the city life, and uh, he had done very well financially, and one day he decides he wants to be a farmer, and so um, he's doing some real estate you know, looking, and he ends up buying 100 acres of land in Kansas. I think that's a probably good, good spot to do some farming, Kansas, from what I understand. So he goes out there, and um, he goes ahead and buys himself a tractor and a combine and tools. And uh, he even goes as far as to buy himself some overalls because he's watched movies and sees farmers in overalls and gets himself a straw hat. And so uh, because movies kind of, I think, maybe stereotype the farmers eat big breakfasts before they go out and work all day, um, uh, he gets up the very first day. He's in a little farmhouse on this 100 acres of land that he just purchased. And he begins to 
uh, make his six eggs and ham and sausage and bacon and hash browns, and he eats that huge breakfast, gets his straw hat, puts his on, and walks out to uh, out his front porch and sits down and looks at that 100 acres of land. He does that from the time the sun comes up to the sun goes down, then goes back to bed. And next morning, he does the same thing, big breakfast, puts his hat on, goes on the front porch and stares at land, 100 acres of land, just stares at it. He does this day after day for a couple weeks and then becomes a little perplexed and is thinking to himself, what's going on here? I'm looking at this land. I don't see any crops growing this land. And, 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 and so he got out there and kind of, he's kind of kicking the ground a little bit and thinking, what in the world is going on? Well, obviously he didn't see any sign of growth because the obvious reason was he didn't plant any seed in the ground. Natural law dictates that when we plant seed, we can expect the sprout to grow, right? He had all the tools. You know, he, he looked apart. He had, the, he had all the equipment, had the, the tractor, but he didn't do the most important thing. He didn't plant seed into the ground. Now let's look at the scripture in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, and let's see what Jesus says about this specific matter itself. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is as is, is if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts the sickle because the harvest has come in. Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is like a man scattering seed. And we cannot expect a harvest without first sowing that seed. My analogy, my story about this man, you know, leaving the big city to go be a farmer sounds absolutely ridiculous, and it is because how can you expect anything to grow without putting a seed in the ground? Amen? Spiritual law says it this way, and Jesus said this, and he, Jesus explains this story very, very well. and says that a farmer, by faith, is scattering that seed, and when the harvest comes in, he is an expectation. The farmer is an expectation because he believes that he's prepared for it and is ready to receive it. Now, spiritual law says, we know Malachi 3.10, we quote this quite a bit up here during offering, so I'm not going to share the whole scripture, but the Bible says that when God himself, when we plant seed, when we plant our tithe into God's house, into God's church, that there be meat in God's house, that God himself says he will open up the windows of heaven to pour out blessings upon you. There won't be room enough to receive it. But then many times we stop there. Verse 11 of Malachi 3.11 says this, and that God himself will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that the seed that God puts in your hand can go into good ground. Now, I passed dozens of farms between my house and here in church, and I about guarantee practically everyone in this building passed several farms coming to church tonight. Have you ever seen how hard a farmer works to get that ground ready? That farmer is out there day in and day, day I mean, I drive home sometimes late from crusades, and I see farmers out there with lights on in fields doing their work. They are, they are tilling the soil. They are, they are pulling weeds. They are, they are putting fertilizer in that soil so that when they get the time to put that seed in the ground, it is going to produce an optimal harvest. They want to put that seed in good ground. God tells us when we put the seed into the church, the storehouse, there will be a blessing in which God will pour out blessing upon you. You won't have room enough to receive it, but then God himself will also protect that seed and make sure that seed gets into good ground and he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So today, tonight, when you plant your seed, whether it be your tithes and your offerings, know the promises of God are true, and a harvest is coming in for everyone that steps out in faith and does it. Amen? Let's pray tonight.
Father, I just thank you, God, for all you do for us, God. I thank you, God, that your word is true. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Father, I thank you, God, for every tithe that's coming into the storehouse tonight. I thank you for every seed of offering that's being given as well. I thank you, God, for blessing the fact that people press down, shaking together, and running over back in their lives. God, we just thank you for all you do, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Let's go ahead and bring our tithes and offerings of the Lord tonight. It's, a, it's an honor to be out here with you again this Wednesday night. Um, they told me I had to be done by 8.40 this week, so just buckle in. We'll, I'm kidding. I know everybody's excited for ice cream. I'm excited for ice cream. Uh, it's, it's good to be out here with you guys. I just want to, again, give a big shout out to our youth dream team. If you're not on the youth dream team, shame on you because it's amazing. But uh, I'm grateful for them filling in the gap so I can be out here. They're still having youth service back there. It's going to be awesome. And I'm grateful for them. And uh, I just want to throw again, like small groups, I just really want to encourage you, if you've never done a small group, you should do it. And I want to just give you a personal reason why. Uh, there have been moments in my life where I've been going through some stuff that was kind of serious. And, and for some reason, I don't know why the Lord works this way, but he'll put me with someone that they'll start sharing their experience and we're going through the same thing. And the amazing thing is that is a very healing process. Because I've discovered in my own life, one of the tricks of the enemy is to make me feel like I'm alone and I'm a weirdo and nobody else will ever understand what I'm going through. Until I just interact with one other human being that's like, yeah, bro, we all are human. You know, like we're all experienced. And it's just very healing. So here's what I've learned. Uh, when I'm really hurting, I need someone. And when I'm really not hurting, someone else probably needs me. So small groups is where that happens. Like you don't have to go look for it. We've created opportunity and space for you to just plug in and find some healing. And, and the Bible, it's amazing. I remember I heard another pastor point this out and I went, that's profound. I've never seen that. But the scriptures actually say that if we confess to one another, God will bring healing. That confession to God brings forgiveness. Confession to one another brings healing. It's just the way the Lord chooses to work is that we receive healing. He obviously heals too, but we can receive healing through his body, right? So if you've not done a small group, I strongly encourage you to sign up for them. Like Ashley said, some of them are all already filling up. They're going to be amazing. All right, I've got to get you out of here by 745. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis 1-1. We're going to start there and work all the way through, all right? So <laughs> those of you that were here last week are like, is he serious? Because... I, I forgive you if you think that. Uh, no, I just I want to show you something I think is really powerful and, and it just encourages me and I think it will encourage you. And we're going to finish our time together with some prayer, so I won't take long. But Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Let me say it again because I don't think you got it. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now, just to show you how incredible of a verse this is, because we read it so much, like we know it so much that we've lost its power, and I want you to see just how amazing this is. So uh, I haven't picked on Pastor Rick in a while. So Pastor Rick, I need you to come up here and do something for me. This is a setup. He's not going to be able to do what I'm going to ask him to do. So I'm setting him up for failure, but it's going to prove my point. Come on all the way up here. they got to be able to see you attempt it, Okay. Now, Pastor Rick, the Bible just told us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I would like for you to attempt as best as possible to create some earth. Just create it. <laughs> I'm not impressed. Is anybody else impressed with this attempt right now? I did this with the middle schoolers. Instead of creating the earth, I was like, create create the heavens, and one of them was like, and I was like, oh, that's at least an attempt. No, look, this is what's so amazing about this verse, is that when we really stop and think about it, what God just did is absolutely mind-blowing. Like the thought of just speaking and your words being so powerful that you can say earth, and it just shows up. You're not as good as God. All right, go sit down. Right? Do you get it, though? Like, this is, this verse should just explode in our brains and go, hold up. He just made it? I can't create anything unless I'm using what's already been created. Are you, are you, are you seeing it? I, I want to say, are you tracking with me? But I got made fun of a lot last week. So, are you seeing this? Like, this is incredible. That God is so, this is how powerful he is, that he literally can speak a word, and there is so much power and authority in his word that things just happen. Church, tonight what I want to submit to you, because we're going to go praying for people here in a few minutes, what I want to submit to you is don't lose the power of the word of God. Don't lose it. Because the Bible doesn't lose it. They constantly keep bringing it up. Why? Because it's amazing. No one else in all of creation has the capacity or the power to speak and make things change. But God could. This is wild stuff. Okay, so I know you're not as excited as me yet, but turn to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. We're just going to look at two scriptures here. Psalm 33, and then we're going to look at another one in Jeremiah. I used a bookmark. I'm not sure why I'm not using my bookmark. I'm actually flipping through my Bible. It's a little weird. Anyways, all right, here we go. Psalms 33, and I want you to just pay attention to this psalm. All right, this is, this is a long time. Just put it in your brain. This, we're far past the creation account right now in the history of the world. Like, we've moved beyond it, but I want you to watch this. Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. And I am so grateful we have a band that can do that, and you don't have to listen to me attempt it. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Church, I just want you to know there's not a single place in all of creation that you can go where God's love isn't already there and isn't following you and isn't surrounding you. Like it's already there. I just think that's really cool. But look at this. Verse number six. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. They're reminding us of Genesis 1-1. 
They want you to have it in your memory. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Are you seeing this? Like the the author of this psalm is like, if you want to know why you should just follow this God, he spoke and it all came to be. Show me one other person that can do that and we'll have a rival. But you can't. There's only one who has this power, right? Are you seeing this? The Lord, the, the Lord, The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on the earth. He who forms the heart of all who considers everything they do. Church, there's nowhere you can go in all of creation that God's eyes aren't watching you faithfully. He's got you. Now I like this. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Look at this. To deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Do you see this, that salvation and deliverance is in the same psalm that's reminding you of how powerful he is, that he can speak and create everything from nothing. Are you seeing this? Now, Flipping your Bible to Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32. This is my last scripture. I just think it's so good. It's so good. I got to give you a little setup though. So Jeremiah is a prophet. And he's a true prophet of God. And Jeremiah is sent by the Lord to let Israel know they've been naughty. And they're going to be grounded by going into exile for 70 years. And some knucklehead prophets are walking around claiming, hey, you know, this is just going to be a short little vacation You know, don't worry about it too much. We'll be there maybe 40 days. The Lord will bring us out. And God sends Jeremiah to basically say, tell those knuckleheads to shut their mouths because they don't know what they're talking about. You're going to be there for 70 years. And he gives Jeremiah this, this like illustration, like a sermon illustration. I love it. To prove the point. And the illustration was go buy a field because you're going to go into this place and you're going to settle in. Right? You're going to seek the good of the land. You're going to get married there. You're going to live life in your grounded state. But after seven years, I'm going to bring you back, right? Okay. Now, Jeremiah does this stuff, but then look. It says in verse 16 of chapter 32, After I had given the deed of purchase to Barak, son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord. So he did what the Lord told him to do as a prophetic witness, as a prophetic sermon illustration. And this is how he starts his prayer. And I think it's so good. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arm. And if you could do that, then what's it say? Nothing. 
Nothing's too hard for you. If, if you could do that. Church, I submit to you that it's about time that we as his people get really excited about the fact that our God could create the heaven and the earth by a word. Why? Because the writers of the scriptures are consistently reminding the people, if you go search that phrase, look it up, it's all over the Old Testament, and they keep using it in the New Testament. Why? Because it is the single act of his power. Jesus went to the cross. I'm not saying it's greater than the cross. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they consistently bring us to back to that place because if you really let it soak into your brain, you go, he did what with what? Yeah, he just spoke. That's a powerful, powerful person. And if he's that powerful, I reckon there's nothing we can experience in this physical world that he created that he is incapable of handling. Yeah? So as we pray today, and we are going to pray, and we're going to start with praying for our pastor because he's in a fight. And we want to keep him lifted up in the fight. Everybody needs a corner. You know what I'm saying? You watch a boxing match, they might go 12 rounds, but they got a corner there telling them, hey, you're still in this, buddy. Here's what you need to do. You need people in your corner that's giving you refreshing, that's helping you out. So we're going to pray for our pastor, but we also want to take an opportunity to pray for you tonight. But as we go into prayer, I just want you to remember, if he could create the heavens and the earth with just a word, all it takes is one word from the Lord to change your situation. And if he could do that with the heaven and the earth, I'm telling you, there's nothing that you're going through that's too hard for him. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand with me as we just lift up our pastor in prayer, and then I'll have you guys pray with each other. Heavenly Father, we just come before you as your church, and Father, we lift our pastor up to you, God. We know that he's in the midst of a fight, Father, for his health, and Father, we just pray that you would be with him, that you would give him your strength, Father. God, I pray that Jesus would stand beside our pastor and give him strength to endure, Father. God, we pray for healing to come to his body. Nothing's too hard for you. All it takes is one word, Father, one word and complete and total healing can be his, and that's what we ask for. God, we're asking for that complete and total healing in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray that as he goes through this battle, that you would fill him with peace, and that you'd give him joy, Father, because his hope is in you. His hope is in you, and your purposes are established forever. They will not be changed. So, Father, we thank you for that, and we speak healing and life to our pastor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Just for a minute, here's all I want you to do. I want you to grab two or three people right beside you. You're the church. It's okay to do this, all right? You'll be all right. You'll survive this. Grab two or three people and say, is there anything going on in your life that you need prayer for? And if there is, take a moment and just pray for them. I'll give you 60 seconds, and then I'm going to pray and close us out.
All right, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, that you are God of the impossible. We thank you that nothing is too hard for you, and we just, we declare that. We confess that, Lord, that nothing is too hard for you. Father, help us to believe that as we, as we lift one another up in prayer, God, that we would believe that no matter what the situation is, nothing's too hard for you. You're able to deliver. You're able to rescue. You're able to heal. You're able to save, Father. That's who you are. Help us to have great faith in you, Father, as we go throughout our day today, throughout the rest of our week. Father, help us to just share the hope and joy that we find in you. Father, for you are all powerful and nothing's too hard for you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you have teenagers, we're going to dismiss them straight out to the ice cream socials. You don't have to worry about them. But if you have children in children's church, make sure you grab them. Remember, the ice cream social is happening right over under the big tent. So it's not under the awning. It's under the big tent. We'll see you guys out there. We love you all. Be blessed.